0: In so many ways, lived experience brings young, black and brown Americans together. But for the characters in J.M. Holmes' collection of short stories, how are you going to save yourself? Changing fortunes threaten to tear them apart. On this episode of Created Equal, my conversation with author J.M. Holmes. We founded on the principle... We hold these truths to be self-evident... ...that all men are created equal. ...that all men are created equal. All (sighs) men are... Equal. I, I w- want to give you a chance to talk about uh, the moment that we're experiencing here right now in America. Uh, this this massive wave of protest against police brutality in the sort of literal uh, objection, but also in in context, uh, the, the, the entire history of systemic racism and inequality in, in America, uh, work like yours seems to speak really strongly to this moment. It always kinds of kind of seems to reflect or capture or maybe forecast uh, the kind of things that, that we're going to experience. But I, want, I wonder what you make of what we're seeing uh, and the influence perhaps of literature and art on the protest movement uh, for for black liberation?
1: Oh, wow, that's a... (laughs) It's
0: a big question, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's a huge question.
1: Um, But, you know, obviously, I I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. I think it's important to talk about it and and be in dialogue with other creatives and other people, um, part of the media, such as yourself. Um, I think, in general, a lot of the feelings, you know, they, they, they echo back you know, generations, but for me, I guess my first conceptual feeling of it was my dad kind of explaining who Rodney King was to me because I was two when Rodney King happened. Okay. Um, wow. But my, my father, obviously, uh, he had a very, you know, strong reaction as a lot of black Americans and white Americans had, had about Rodney King and, and, you know, that was part of his, his talk and his lecture to me about, you know, the police aren't always your friends. Uh, <laughs> And he, you know, he was he was a professional athlete, and so he was kind of moderate in a way, I guess, as like you know, O.J. Simpson famously said, "I'm I'm not black, I'm O.J." And I think my dad had a little bit of that, but also knew the reality because you know later in his life he was uh, in and out of the uh, the prison system. So he he had a very complex worldview when it came to that stuff, but. Yeah, for me, you know, my first real experience with it was well, aside from my own London the police, but in terms of a, a societal um, experience with it, obviously was Trayvon Martin and and um, and then and then Michael Brown and, and the rise of, of BLM then and a lot of people, white people especially, didn't really take notice of it then in 2014, 2015. And I think this time around. It's been a much different reaction, and it's for for me anyway. It seems like it could be a much more positive reaction, but I'm um, I'm I'm weary to say that just yet because I I know as things tend to go in this country, um, the social justice win changes a lot. I would mm-hmm. say I would say people get a fervor for something, you know, um, and then it's and then it's gone sadly. And I think for. For creatives, it's never gone for us, and 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 you know that's the that's the odd thing is when you're working on whether it's a collection or a novel or you know uh, uh, I'm sure for visual artists you know whatever medium you're working in it it's a lot of time committed to something and it spans the the blowing and changing winds of social justice. So I was working on that collection for six years, you know, and and um, it came out. Pretty much when the Me Too movement was at its height and at its peak, and and I think um, obviously the book doesn't speak to that in in, in a real way and in, a, in an important way, and, and I think for that reason it, it wasn't really a part of the conversation. Which which I think the social justice initiative is always more important, than, in many ways to me anyway, than the art itself. Mm. And so I was okay with that. And it's odd now that you know I, w- I went from having. You know, no phone calls for like four months to like my phone doesn't stop ringing. <laughs> and uh, and, it's, and I'm, I'm glad that this conversation is, is starting to be on the consciousness and the forefront of a lot of Americans' minds. Um, but I think for creatives, we kind of just, we, we don't get too caught up in necessarily the specific moment because for us, it's something that we live with and explore and, uh, you know, work with or work against. For a lot of our careers, and, and yeah. that's just like what you need to do to do the work.
0: I, I I feel often like literature and art uh, is a reminder of the constancy of these issues. That that yeah that that they are always with us as as Black Americans, especially the, the things that we experience, the the way that it shapes our lives. It it doesn't go away the way protest movements ebb and 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 flow i mean if you look at your stories and the the things that they reflect about the reality of being black in america they're they're not fundamentally different from what Ralph Ellison was writing about almost 70 years ago they're not fundamentally different from what James Baldwin was writing about uh, a little later in the 50s and 60s this this is a, a, a constant thread throughout American history and American lives and uh, it, you know every once in a while I feel like the culture turns back to that subject or flares up around that subject um, but but the art is is always sort of influenced by it and and reflective of it
1: yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree with you, and and I would say that um, this is a another moment and another stretch of time where Black American writers, our work is being reexamined and and kind of taken seriously again. But I would say that for you know a general white audience, I think they they don't like to go here very often, and so when we have their attention we wanna say all that we can in, in 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 that moment and uh and I wish it wasn't that way but I just that's that's the way I feel anyway as, as a writer in my short career so far, I feel um like their their racial attention span is short. And so when we have these large cultural moments you know, flare up, so when we have these um kind of you know brutal news focus um, we have to use our time wisely oh. uh, and again, I wish it wasn't that way, but that that's the conversation for us, as you mentioned you know it never stops, but when we have the wider attention of the, of of the general public, I think we feel at least I feel an anxiety to get get it all in and move the needle um, and Yeah, I just, I just, I hope we can do it this time.
0: After a short break, more of my conversation with J.M. Holmes, author of How Are You Going to Save Yourself? WDET celebrates 75 years of public radio with gratitude to our dedicated listeners. Listeners like you cherish community voices, local music, and independent journalism. This spring fundraiser, we're counting on your support, just as you count on us. Invest in WDET's next chapter at WDET.org or tap Donate in the mobile app. You know, in in your your book, one of the main characters, Gio, has an Italian mother and a black father. Um, and there's a particularly memorable scene in the book where Gio is confronted uh, with a racist member of his family on his on his mom's side, and and that kind of echoes a lot of the things that uh, I think we see people dealing with right right now. But in in a, a larger sense, I think uh, one of the things you're deal, dealing with there is that sense of straddled identity that so many African Americans have to contend with as well. That that you are a member of. Uh, one group, uh, but you are also uh, either assigned membership in another group or inheriting membership in another group that may not quite square with uh, with your your identity as as an African American.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think um, a lot of a lot of uh, African American authors. I feel like a lot of their books deal with the assigned identity versus, um, the asserted self identity. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, definitely that, that story, uh, out of my collection and, you know, a few others in the collection definitely talk about that, that straddling, that, um, resisting the external definitions that are, are placed upon us as black Americans. Um, because so often they're not, generous. They're not bestowed upon us lovingly, if you will. They're not in an attempt to understand or or to um, compliment us. A lot of times they're bestowed upon us to categorize us so that we make sense to um, an American public that doesn't deal well with ambiguity. But yeah, you always have this idea of, of the, the color line in this country, and it's, and it's shifted over time, and obviously... And, it, and it's kind of shifted completely off of black Americans for a time. You know, you think about after 9-11, it shifted to for, you know, the first time ever in America's history, we were not public enemy number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you think about the way that, uh, you know, shadism and colorism uh, affects all that, and the identities that are bestowed upon us, we... we you know, especially as creative individuals, you really... Spend a lot of time thinking about who you are as a person and and how you can assert that to contend with, you know, the the public perception of you. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Before I have to let you go, I'm going to ask you the question I ask all authors. It's my favorite question for authors, which is, what's next? What are you working on?
1: Oh, uh Uh, well, I know the, it's the, it's
0: author's least favorite question, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, I feel like I've, I've been talking about the novel I've been working on for Little Brown. Um, so yeah, I owe them I owe them a novel, but I feel like the more I the more I talk about it, the uh, <laughs> the less the likely it is reality. to get done. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like you know I'm very uh, superstitious when it comes to that. I remember you know uh, when I when I got the the book deal for the collection, I just didn't say, like, a word about it until it was on the shelf, because I just still didn't feel like it was going <laughs> to happen. Um, but the novel is very different. It's a dystopian novel um, about a mixed-race brothers who come out looking different, and therefore they fall on different sides of the color line, and there's, you know, um, white supremacist groups, there's counterintelligence, there's a bunch of private security, there's a water crisis, um, mm. and it all takes place in Milwaukee. Show. Wow.
0: Wow. <laughs> that sounds that sounds fantastic. I can't wait I can't wait to see it. <laughs> well, I hope on the it show. gets done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. I think all writers can relate to that uh, sure. to that conundrum. That was my conversation with author J.M. Holmes who wrote the collection of short stories titled How Are You Going to Save Yourself? On the next episode of Created Equal my conversation with Emerson College Professor Gerald Walker, author of How to Make a Slave and Other Essays. Everybody gets uptight when it's time to talk about race. And people go into their corners and they, they wrap themselves too tightly in their own point of view on these things. And I think that humor is, it may in fact be the only venue to have these really difficult discussions. Created Equal is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station. Our executive producer is Joan Cherry Isabella. Our producers are Jake Neer, Anna-Marie Seisling, and Claire Brennan. Our sound engineers are Matt Trevethan and Rowan Niamisto. Our composer and senior editor is Sam Bobian. And our social media and digital assets are done by Maida Stange and Tony Brown. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson.